Good evening and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. In tonight's episode, we're going to be chatting a little bit about reservations. Now, everyone's heard the word reservation. And no, I'm not talking about the kind of reservation for you and your significant other to enjoy a nice meal out in the town. No, I'm talking about the reservations that we often dwell on. The ones that we overthink on, and in some cases, the ones that we obsess on. The kind of reservation that can get you a front row seat to your own relapse. So to start with, what is a reservation? Besides the obvious definition, a reservation is simply defined by the Webster's Dictionary as a limiting condition, or a doubt, or a misgiving. So how does this play into your recovery? There isn't one person that's ever entered into a 12-step recovery room that hasn't at some point in time held a reservation, regardless of what they may tell you. In other words, they've had some doubt, some misgiving, or they've held on to some limiting condition that's keeping them from fully committing to their recovery. Many people come into the recovery rooms with the idea that there will be certain events that happen in their life that they just won't be able to stay sober through. For example, I've heard many people say that they aren't sure that they can stay sober through the death of a loved one. Now, there's one thing that you're guaranteed to deal with in this life, and that's death. Death and loss are not fun things to deal with, I assure you. In fact, they can be devastating. In many cases, they will be challenging, and in almost all cases, they're miserable experiences. However, Holding on to a secret reservation that you aren't certain if you can handle death without a drink or a drug, it's setting yourself up for failure. Recently, I had a conversation with a young man that was talking about one of his reservations, and he told me that he wasn't sure that he could stay sober through his wedding. So, of course, I asked him when his engagement was and how long it was until his actual wedding date. Well, he explained to me that he wasn't even engaged, and as a matter of fact, he didn't even have a girlfriend at the time. But he was just sure that if he ever did decide to get married, he wouldn't be able to stay sober at the ceremony. The alcoholic and addict mind is something to behold, I assure you. The idea behind these preconceived reservations is that it won't be humanly possible to stay sober through certain life events. Because, after all, who doesn't drink at their wedding or drink to escape the grief associated with death? The thing about reservations, though, is that they aren't often based in reality. Take the example of the young man's reservation about staying sober at his wedding. He isn't even engaged yet, yet he's already future-tripping over whether he'll pick up a drink or not. More dangerous than the reservation about future events is the reservation that one day, somehow, some way, maybe, you'll be able to drink like a gentleman or use with some control. To those of us that have gone back out a time or two and have seen how bad relapses really are, these type of statements almost make us chuckle. Now, don't get me wrong, we aren't laughing at the person or even the reservation, but we're laughing at the type of thinking that they are using because we've used it too and we know it doesn't work. Even the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous tells us that some of us have to go back out and try some controlled drinking just so that we can be reminded of how uncontrolled we really are. 
Many of us in the 12-step rooms, though, we've been taught that reservations are bad and that we should never, absolutely never, under any circumstances, have reservations. I'm here to tell you that that is garbage advice. Reservations are natural, and they will come. It's not a matter of if they will come, just when they will come. I don't care who you are or how strong you think your recovery is today. At some point in time in your recovery journey, you've clung to an idea that maybe one day you could have a drink or just one pill or just one hit. Don't forget where you came from and don't be a recovery hypocrite. I agree, though. Reservations are bad. Not because of the thought itself, but because of what it does to the alcoholic mind. Take this example. I had a patient a few years ago that had relapsed after 24 years of recovery. Now, he'd managed to get and stay sober because all those years ago, he'd been given an ultimatum. Get sober or lose his job. Adding to that was the ultimatum that his wife had given him. Get sober or the kids and I are leaving. So he did it. He went to treatment, then he went to meetings, and he worked the program. This gentleman admitted to me, though, that for 24 years he had held on to a secret thought that after he retired, maybe he could enjoy a cocktail on the patio or a beer with the guys at the golf course. That thought that one day he might be able to do it had pushed him through a lot of the hard times. As happens, though, he retired from his company, and he found himself sitting alone at his home, comfortable with his pension, surrounded by two yipping Pomeranians. Reality was, he was bored out of his mind. When the boredom set in, the thoughts of what he might be able to do after his retirement, they began to set in as well. They started off small and dismissible, but then they grew until they became almost all that he could think about. Eventually, he succumbed to that thought and had just one drink. And guess what? Nothing bad happened. Then he had a second drink, and nothing bad happened. He began to think that perhaps he had it all figured out, that he was the one who'd done it. Perhaps he'd stayed sober long enough to actually drink like a gentleman. Within weeks, though, he was hiding bottles around his house and making excuses to leave the house to sneak a drink. Within a month, he'd completely walked away from his home group, his sponsor and his recovery fellowship, because as he said, he didn't want to be a hypocrite. Within two months of his first drink, this gentleman found himself in the hospital with horrible health issues. Within three months, he was back at the treatment facility where I work. See, many of us get sober for lots of different reasons. Perhaps it's for a job, for a spouse, for your kids, or for legal problems. What happens, though, when your job is no longer in jeopardy or you retire? What happens if your spouse leaves you? Or, in my case, something horrible happens and your spouse dies? What happens when the kids graduate and they leave the house? What happens when the legal issues come to an end and you are no longer on probation or under the eyes of the court? Staying sober for a reason is just another form of addiction. Now, I'm not preaching to anyone because I did the exact same thing. I had zero intent of actually staying sober when I entered into the rooms. I just wanted to avoid some of the consequences my drinking and drugging had caused, and to be real honest, I just wanted to keep some people in my life quiet. However, somewhere along the way, 
I decided that while all of those things would benefit from me being sober, I and I alone wanted to be sober. I don't care why you put the needle down or why you decided not to drink today. I'm glad you made that decision, regardless of what the reasoning was. And while I don't care why you stopped drinking or why you stopped using, what I can tell you, though, with 100% certainty, is that if you are conditioning your sobriety on anything other than yourself, it won't last. Another type of reservation that we like to hold on to is the I'm different reservation. You walk into a detox facility, a treatment facility, or even a 12-step room, and you look around the room and immediately find what makes you and everyone in that room different. You can't relate to the IV drug user because you're just a drinker and you never put a needle in your arm. You can't relate to the drinkers because you just took too many pills. You can't relate because that person is black or white or gay or straight or tall or short. It's all BS and it's a lie. It's a lie that you're telling yourself to convince yourself that you're different. While it's true that you can't compare your disease with anyone else's, nor can you compare your recovery to anyone else's, you are not special. Every bad thing that happened to all of those people in those rooms or those facilities are the product of their choices and the culmination of those choices. Maybe you haven't gone to jail, but if you're honest, you know that if you don't stop drinking and driving, it can and likely will happen. Maybe you've never used a needle to get high, but if you're honest, you already know how fast your addiction has progressed, and you know that it could happen. Holding on to the I'm special reservation will lead you to a world of hurt and regret, because eventually you're going to realize that you're not different. And if you wake up with a needle in your arm or on the cold concrete floor of a jail, you're going to be overcome with shame because you thought you were different, and maybe you even told people that you were. Generally speaking, reservations are an acceptance problem. The 12 steps are replete with references to acceptance. Page 430 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous says, Unless I accept life completely on life terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. This is but one of the direct and indirect references to acceptance in 12-step literature. Generally speaking, addicts and alcoholics, we have a problem with acceptance. We want what we want, and we want it now. And I'm no different. We want to be able to have control and to be able to predict the future. We want to know when things will get better, when we will have more money, when we'll be happy, and we often obsess about these things. Coming to reality and accepting life on life's terms it's a difficult habit to get into. Acceptance is directly connected to our emotional sobriety and our overall well-being. Emotions are the driving force in many of our lives, and it's important for us to be aware of them. Once we can live a life based on whatever situation is and not feel the need to fight against it, that's when we can begin to truly understand our lives and begin to live truly free. Acceptance and reservations, they just don't go together. They're polar opposite ideas. When I'm living a life of acceptance, I'm not dreading the unexpected parts of life, and I'm not planning my relapse based upon some future bad thing I'm just sure is going to happen to me. For most of us, though, we hide our reservations. Part of the reason behind this is that we've been told for so very long how bad reservations are. So we don't want to admit that we have them. 
Remember, your disease is an enemy with an army that never tires, never needs to be fed, and has a constant reserve of reinforcements. Regardless of how long you've been sober, your disease will send in scouting parties to test your defenses and to try to find the weak areas of your walls. Your recovery and your program of recovery, these are the walls that you surround your life with and the things that are important to you. These walls protect you from the insidious enemy of addiction and keep your active addiction at bay. As with any wall, though, it's only as strong as the weakest point. I don't care if you go to three meetings a day. I don't care if you can quote the big book and the basic text, and I don't care if you're on the speaking tour. If you're holding on to a reservation, you have a weak spot in your wall. The literature tells me that the disease of addiction is cunning and baffling, and I assure you, your disease will find the weak spot in your wall. Your disease is not going to knock on your door offering you a drink. Rather, it's going to sneak through a crack in your wall and plant an idea in your mind. Remember that not only is your disease cunning and baffling, it's patient. It will wait and watch as the seed of thought blossoms into a full-blown relapse. And when it does, your disease will attack and steal everything that you've built, every dream you've ever held, and every chance that you have to live a life of freedom and happiness. So if everyone has them from time to time, what do we do about these reservations? Take the wall analogy from earlier. If you notice a hole in your wall, you don't pretend it's not there. You get busy patching it. The same goes with your recovery. If you have a reservation, open your mouth and talk about it. I'll admit to anyone that's listening that I'm not sure if I could stay sober if another of my children died. I've lost a wife and a child, and I can't promise you that I would handle it well if another one died. I tried to drown my grief and my pain in scotch and bury it under a mountain of cocaine. When I sobered up, my grief and my pain remained, though. Even with this history and experience, I'm not sure that if I lost one of my three kids, I could handle that without a drink or a drug. So I've shared that with my sponsor, with my recovery community, and with damn near anyone else that'll listen. Why? If, God forbid, that situation should arise, I know that those people, my community, will rally around me. I noticed a weak area in my defenses, and I've asked others to help me patch it. Often, a reservation makes us aware of an area that we need help with. I'm confident that if certain events happen in my life, I can't handle them alone. And there's nothing wrong with that. Where the problem arises is when we allow our pride and our ego to interfere in asking for the help that we need now or that we may need in the future. If reservations are an acceptance problem, they're also a humility problem. Once a reservation arises, it's imperative that we share it and bring it to the light. Otherwise, that tiny crack in our walls can grow until an entire army of addiction and disease can march right through it. As with almost every area of recovery, honesty is key. You cannot treat a problem until you are willing to admit that it exists. By speaking to someone honestly about how you feel, you'll oftentimes find that the reservation no longer holds the same power that it once did. My original sponsor told me once that every time I had a scheme or an idea about how to get out of trouble or avoid a problem, I should tell another person out loud or at least say it out loud to the mirror. Almost without fault, every time I did this, as soon as I heard the words come out of my own mouth, they sounded ridiculous and absurd. 
It's crazy how so long as the thought stayed in my head, it sounded like a genius idea. As I said, the addict and alcoholic mind is a sight to behold. The good news is that regardless of what you may have heard, reservations won't kill you. The bad news is that keeping your reservations a secret just might. Sobriety has never once promised you a life free of difficulties. It has simply promised you a means by which to face the difficulties and struggles of this life. Remember, relapse doesn't happen by accident. You don't relapse because of a reservation or a trigger or because of some other excuse that you come up with. You relapse because you choose to relapse. Don't blame your thoughts or your friends or your situations for your problems. In most cases, the biggest problem that you will ever face in your life is you. Own that and choose to act and react in a different way. Secrets grow in the darkness. Bring them into the light and let them die so that you can live the life that you deserve. As always, thank you for tuning in to Forest Fires. After my last podcast, I received some feedback and some constructive criticism from a few people. And thanks to that, it's actually going to build into a future podcast topic. I'm really looking forward to it. Please share your insights, your suggestions, and even your criticisms. I need them all. Like, share, and comment on this or any of the other Forest Fires podcasts. And likewise, go to the Forest Fires Facebook page and like, share, or comment on any of the videos or writings there. We may be a part of an anonymous fellowship, but we don't have to hide our recovery. Whether you have years under your belt or you're making it through your first 24 hours of sobriety, I'm proud of you. In my opinion, every single person that chooses to live this way of life is a hero. Reach out and help another alcoholic or an addict today. Lift them up. Share some hope and always remember your darkest day so that you can help someone else through theirs. As always. Stay reachable, stay teachable, and stay humble. Thank you.